Hello again, and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. That, Every once in a while, oh, we'll oh, bring I, you... I, I don't get to say anything? I, I didn't know. You missed the beat. I mean, I know, there's no I delay I this time. Beat. I just wanted to, I just want to mention that, that the, the crack of the beer seemed a little quiet. Oh, man, I thought I was clanging around with a bottle opener, too. It's oh, funny you say oh, that. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I think I heard the bottle go. opener. First. All right, all right, continue. Well, bottle openers and uh, co-hosts and every other once in a while, we'll bring you a new true crime podcast about people in and around the music industry and their misadventures into law-breaking. If you like music history, murder mystery, people with eccentricity, you hit the jackpot on this podcast, baby, because we got it all. Share with a friend, tell a relative. Right now, we're trying to get to big sky country. Go west, young man, go west. If you have friends in Montana, the Dakotas, or Idaho, send them your favorite episode. Tell them to check us out. Call me Sunset, because I'm moving west. So is, I mean, there's not that many people that live out there, but have our numbers sort of uh, tailed, tailed off a little bit there in big sky country? Yeah, a little bit. Center of the map. We're a little, uh, we're a little light blue. You don't want to be light blue. You want to be like a deep purplish orange almost. I, I mean, I love, that's... Pur- I love purple. Purple's awesome. What? Um, that's your favorite like the color, sky. right, Ryan? Purple is Brian. Is everybody is everybody aware of that on this show that Brian's favorite color is purple? <laughs> Isn't it? Thanks. Am I wrong? You are wrong, but that's fine. I'll let it go. That's, I, sure, I love purple. I have witnessed. I have witnesses throughout our childhood. Um, that would confirm that your favorite color is purple, man. I didn't know that was a thing about me. I you, had no idea. You had a purple scarf when you were sure. like 13. Well, okay. That's all, that's yeah. all it takes. That's all it that's takes. That's just the one. Okay. I was like, I had a purple sweater too. I mean, that's what it was. See, told you. All right. Thank, thank you for proving my point. All right. Well, let's like Ben and I are talking, we'll uh, let's you guys talk to us. Let us know how you're doing. Do you like purple? What's your favorite color? Our email is feedback at crimeandmusic.com. Find us on all the social medias at Crime and Music, or my favorite is Speakpipe. Uh, we'll get to Speakpipe a little later in the show because it's a special episode, 069. Yeah, yeah baby. Uh, we've got a couple <laughs> special treats lined up for you. So uh, with that... How are you doing, man? What's I, uh, what's going on? So I don't know how many of our listeners harken back to our very early days of podcasting. I've I've now had some some um, folks that I know that are listening, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you're early ones." Or you know, some of the sound quality we were learning. We sound quality wasn't that great, but oh, yeah. there was a theme that you and I didn't agree on. We agree on most things. We tend to try and keep it lighthearted. We're we're not fighting about things. Right, but Brian. Now maybe this is kind of uh, like a quiz for Brian. Okay. Oh what was one thing that I wanted to do that you wouldn't ever let me do? Is this about snacks again? Are we still on snacks? Oh I my God. have a bag of potato chips here. I didn't even mean to. I just, oh my God. I just noticed they're better made barbecue flavored hey, potato chips. All right, all right. At least it's Michigan. That's you know, homegrown. I, I I will not be eating those on air. They are loud. <laughs> Extra me, crispy kettle let, chips. Me just, <laughs> reaching, me just reaching in the bag. You're so loud. All right. It's time for everybody's favorite game. Guess again. It never ceases to amaze me how accurate you are with this. Hey, do you think the name that shall not be mentioned could play that for us on a future podcast instead of having a just, he can just get the baseline down, just bump, 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 up and down the. I think that would be awesome. 
Yeah, the name that, that would be awesome. Still not be mentioned. Right. No, man, I tried getting the band back together. Those guys were, were they were all pumped until it came time to pull the trigger. Uh, yeah, and he still has. I have two cakes of beer, empty cakes of beer. I gotta go get from his house tomorrow. I think. All right. Long well, story. Eighty seconds. Eighty seconds. Sorry, right, no, you're never okay. gonna get all this. Right. We might as well just talk about the <laughs> Kirk Devane and Binding Dirt. You're never gonna. Do you know? Uh, how many famous flute players do you know? I know. And it's Ian, not Jethro Ian, Toll. Ian Anderson. That's all I got, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it ain't Jethro Toll, buddy. Okay. Uh, he's Anton's brother. Anton uh, Anwar? Uh, no. <laughs> good, though. That's that's good. You got to always bring Chaka into this somehow. That's what you do. Bring it around. Okay. Let's do it this way. Um, who was the actor who played the character Al Bundy? Um... Al, no, not Al. Uh, 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 First name is okay. People are screaming into their radios right now, aren't they? He was also on Modern Family. I'm. I know the character. If you don't, if this is one of those things. Don't ask me anything. I can tell you. <laughs> He's not Ed, related Ed, to Shaquille. Ed, okay, Ed. Ed, Ed, Ed O'Neill. It's Ed O'Neill. So just Ed. You got Ed, right? What's right, the yeah. opposite? What's the opposite of lose? Win. Ed. Edwin. So you got Edwin. Okay. Edwin. Good. And then what is the body part between your hand and your forearm? Edwin Shin. Edwin Forearm. Between your hand and your forearm. Be- Edwin Wrist? Hey, Edwin Wrist, he did it! I have to literally look at my hand. <laughs> like- uh, hand and forearm, what's there? Hey, you did it! Edwin Wrist oh. is the guy. It's not a knee. It's not an ankle. It's a wrist. <laughs> You're right, Brian. I don't know this guy. Bone. No, I, you don't. You don't. I but expect, you will. I expect to be dazzled with a lot of awesome, good information. Oh, dude, just you wait, man. I forgot to do it, but I'll do it now. In this episode, we're going to talk about flying. All we're going right. to talk about flutes. A and flute uh, flautist. Uh, he's a, is that how you say it? A flautist? It is flautist. I remember any, any band I was in, any concert band or choir, uh, or, uh, orchestral band, I would call them floaters, and boy, they didn't like that. But we're also going to talk about fish. Fish come up too. Like the band fish? Like eh, the hippie, I don't know. The hip, the hippie Maybe. Band? Uh, that is Trey interesting, and we shall get there. So if you're ready to take off, we start our journey in 1988. Oh, this is re- recent stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, we get up to like. I, I, I'd take you to his YouTube channel. Um, okay, let's do this. Uh, born at some point in 1988, we are uncertain. Uh, his name is Edwin Reist, as you uh, described there, between the hand and the forearm. R-I-S-T, Edwin Reist, born in New York City, New York, USA. New York City. He's born to his parents, Curtis James... <sighs> that's not it. He's born to parents, and that's what I could not find out was the, the name of the parents, to be completely honest. Um He's born into a middle-class family just outside of Albany, New York, like we said. Both of his parents are journalists and uh, struggling Labradoodle breeders. <laughs> well, of course they're struggling Labradoodle breeders. It's a hard breed to sell on people, I'm telling you. No, it's, it's like it's a super lovey dog and it doesn't shed. I don't well, know why people don't want them. Maybe that was back in the day because right now, you the, the Labradoodle breeder, they're busy, busy folks. Oh, dude, you ain't kidding. But uh, back in the day, much like today, Eddie, we'll call him Eddie. Eddie is homeschooled growing up. He's quiet, kind of a bookish kid. He's not really outdoorsy, quote unquote. Um, his real passion came in playing music, particularly the flute. So, the, 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 he's Well, he's a flautist. He's got to play the flute. 
By the time Eddie is 16, he wants to pursue a, a career in music, like, professionally. Now, uh, like most of us, even for a middle-class family, uh, it's incredibly expensive to do that because it's private lessons, it's going to competitions, it's buying instruments, uh, you know, all that stuff that comes with just trying to be good at any sort of kid's extracurricular activity. I, I think we all think about musicians coming, you know, clawing their way up from the bottom. You don't know, even athletes, sports athletes these days. Oh, yeah. And, I'm going to include him in the, the term of these days because it wasn't that long ago. We're talking the 80s, man. It's um, like 40 years ago, but all right. Right, but there were a lot of musicians. <laughs> there were a lot of musicians that got a leg up, you know, Van Halen, whatever. But they got a leg up because they didn't have to – they had that disposable income their parents could spend on them to send them to the best art school, the best – sports complexes the year-round training you would need in any sort of a situation like that and that's kind of what you it's not all odd your way up from the bottom you know i was just a kid on the street which is a great story but some of them are yeah my mom and dad were rich i didn't have to really be that smart i knew i had money so i decided to play guitar instead you cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps it's physically impossible uh, never gonna happen Never going to happen. I don't know. If, what if you were like really practiced and were really strong? It's like when the Incredible Hulk tried picking up Thor's hammer and he pulled himself into the ground or aircraft carrier or whatever they were standing on. That's what it is to pull yourself up from the bootstraps. You're just smashing yourself and you're hurting your fingers. I don't think I, I think if you're just a little bit stronger than the Hulk, you could do it. <laughs> that may, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, uh, that kind of ruins the next sentence, but uh, through hard work and determination, they make it happen. He's accepted to the Royal Academy of Music and the Royal Academy of Music in London, to be specific. It's the oldest conservatoire in the UK. It was founded in 1822. Wow. Okay. It received its uh, royal charter in 1830 from King George the... The I is before the V. That's fourth. Four. King George the fourth. Yeah. Uh, with the support of first Duke of Wellington, um, man, he makes a good beef wrapped in dough. And uh, the Academy provides undergraduate and postgraduate training across instrumental performance, composition, jazz, musical theater, and opera. The recruits musicians, they recruit musicians from around the world with a student community representing more than 50 nationalities. It is committed to lifelong learning from Junior Academy. That's the kids' school, which trains musicians of up to the age of 18. And then through the Open Academy Community Music Project, they do performances, educational events for all ages. Long story short, famous Academy alumni like Eddie are uh, Sir Simon Rattle, Sir Harrison Bert Whistle, Sir Elton John, and Annie Lennox. All right, so... It's a high flute and music place in London, whatever. Uh, yeah, he did it. So, but he was from New York, right? Yeah, he's married in New York City. And so they got him in at that school. Yep. I mean, they quite the quite the resume there. That school you gave him, Brian. They got. I mean, Annie Lennox, right? I'm let I'm letting you know that's this is where this guy's rolling with, man. Oh, he's he with uh, Bert Whistle and Lennox. That's where he's off with. Who is Bert Whistle? That's I like that name, <laughs> Sir Bert Whistle. And it's actually spelled with an I. Bert Whistle on Thames. <laughs> nice. Well, okay, it's it's off the Thames and near the Rhine, but uh, yeah, Eddie goes off to London. Eddie goes to London. Sounds like a punk song. 
Um, now, it's odd he went to London because he bore a passing resemblance to Pete Townsend. He had oh, those God. intense eyes and kind of the big nose and that mop hair. Big, um, big long hair. Big long face. Yeah. It's Parker. That's <laughs> a guy. <laughs> there she is. All right. Anyway. There's girl. Uh, now, instead of shredding a Fender guitar, Eddie blew the flute. He blew it. He blew it. All I got is Jethro Toll. That's all that's in my head right now. And if you guys don't know about rock and roll flute, go look up Jethro Toll. There's some really cool YouTube videos of this dude just rock and rolling on a flute. Well, Who would have thought? Jethro Toll is the name of the band. His name. Is yeah, I was gonna say it's Ian. the group. No. Ian. But if you're. How do you spell that? Ian. E e e n. So if you're listening to the show. We appreciate all of our get or all of our all of our listeners. Yes. Always. Um, please, if you don't know Sorry, who Michelle. Ian Anderson is or Jethro Tull, go get thick as a brick. Ooh. And like a half a bag of mushrooms. <laughs> You're doing it right. And, and just lock the doors, order pizza, and 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 just go go just do what you put the album on. And oh, I think it is better on vinyl. And here's I was going to say, if you can get a record player, that would put you over. Well, no, I think it's better if you buy the album because I've had the CD. Cover art. I've had the album. Oh, not only a cover art, the album cover is literally a news. It's like you open it up. You know how there's like different little gags they do for albums back in the 60s and 70s? You know, like oh, yeah. It was almost like a. some of them were pop-up books. Some of them had moving parts. This one was oh, a, yeah. new, a newspaper that if you listen to the song Thick as a Brick, which is a you know, like an hour-long song, one song. Um, uh, it, it, there's a newspaper that goes along with the the song. Almost, it's kind of fun. It's wow, you know, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I got a call. I have, I have, I have two of his albums. The one that was my dad's, I stole, and it got <laughs> warped accidentally because it was sat in the wrong spot. And then I found another one at a at a reused record album. Store. Very cool. Yeah. That was actually a somewhat topical sidebar. It only took us 69 episodes, but dude, you did it. <laughs> Thank that you, was Brian. awesome. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. All right. Ian. Ian. Ah, cheese to, cheers to that. Cheese. Ian, cheese to that. Um, yes. Well, like Ian. Really? What? Oh, there already. All right. Nothing. I'm just getting my cards straight. Uh, they didn't uh, print, print off in the wrong order, did they? No, they didn't. This is just the is the wacky uh, 69th episode. Woo! Nah. So, um, <laughs> June 23rd, 2009, um, he performs a concert at London, uh, in, in London. Eddie's performed at the Royal Academy of Music's London Soundscapes. It's a celebration of Handel, Haydn, and Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. A bunch of Germans. Yes, a celebration of German music in London. Okay. Um, so before the concert, he packs a bag, gets ready. You know, he's got his flute and stuff like that. He puts in a pair of leather gloves, a little LED mini flashlight, some wire cutters, and a diamond blade glass cutter. What? <laughs> you know, he just loads up a large rolling suitcase, and he puts it in his locker at the concert hall. He goes, plays the concert, flutes it up. You know, floats <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to do a flute. Hold, but, hold uh, on, hold on. Sorry, rewind yeah, no. a little bit. Yeah, we're getting I, there. Okay. I feel like you're setting the table. I want to make sure all of our listeners <laughs> know what's know what you know. A little teaser here. So he's sounds like getting his burglary tools. 
Yes. And uh, yes, those are definitely cutter. burgle tools a for burg- burgling. Stop. Don't. No turd burgling. Um, no. So he's. He can't even hamburglar anymore. He's. Uh, um, Grimace also, his favorite color was purple. Um, <laughs> so. I feel like that's a weight shot, but that's fine. Go, okay. <laughs> go back. What did he load up? He got a flute, some underwear, some shaving cream, and. A uh, pair of latex gloves, okay. uh, a mini LED flashlight, okay. some wire cutters. Okay. You know, you know, he might have a guitarist. He needs help restringing a guitar. And just in case something goes really bad, he's got a diamond blade glass cutter. Okay. All right. I I feel, I feel like you've teed it up. So go ahead and get ready to <laughs> swing, Brian. As I said, he stows it all in a big rolling suitcase, puts that in his uh, locker at the concert hall. Rocks out a concert, has a great time fluting it up, like we said. That's my flute. Um, and so uh, after the concert, he boards a train up to Tring, and that's about 40 miles north of London. It's about a 45-minute train ride. So for an hour, drags his through suitcase, after he gets off the train, drags his suitcase through the mud and the gravel, um, going on the roads and the gnarly trees and stuff. And, you know, it's just like you'd imagine in England, there's like ivy creeping up everywhere. And he's kind of in this old sort of cobblestone town. And uh, the entrance to this town is guarded, sort of guarded. I mean, you know how they used to build forts back then. It's got a 16th century pub called Robin Hood. And so he's walking by the Robin Hood. A few roads beyond the Robin Hood nestled between Old Tring Brewery and the uh, HSBC branch, which is like the bank out there like a like a bank branch lies the entrance uh to public footpath 37 now that's known to the locals as bank alley because like i'm saying there's banks on that alley and so the the footpath isn't more than eight feet wide it's framed in by seven foot high brick walls so it's kind of like a big alley eddie slips into the alley total darkness it's the middle of the night because he played the show at night and then finished up so it's late he's groping his way along until he's standing directly behind a building he'd spent months casing out now eddie had previously cased a museum that was across the street he gained access under false pretenses he went in there as a student he's like i'm a student for a newspaper taking pictures and stuff and so he used that opportunity to take photos of all the stuff he was going to steal oh wow see he's already doing better than i would because (laughs) right this this is some forethought here i wanted to interject when you said he was he, he posed as a student I want to come out and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You should have. What you should have done is just <laughs> had a clipboard, a hard hat, and a tape measure. That'll get you into anywhere. But that no, will. You get a clipboard. I'm telling you. He posed He posed as a student, which enabled him to bring a camera with him. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm there learning. I can't wait for my next bank job. There you go. So so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of surmise that. He's getting ready to go rob a bank and do some like, you know, cat burglar things. Um, when does uh, when does um 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 uh, uh, Brad Pitt and uh, 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 George Clooney show up? Dude, and, funny like, some, enough, and like some cool we'll, jazz. We'll get there. Like some cool jazz music. Quick cut. I want quick cut scenes. You know. Dun-na, dun-na, I, need, dun-na. I need to see Brad Pitt eating another snow cone or some crap. <laughs> You ever notice that Brad Pitt eats it, in a lot of scenes that he's in? All of them. Every single scene he's in in that movie, he has eats something. No, Fr- uh, it's not like every Shrimp it's, cocktail. It's, something. It's, Dude, you watch it. It's something. not. I Always. know it's not every scene. I believe. Every scene. All right. You don't. 
have a non-sexual crush <laughs> on Brad Pitt and not know a little I bit do. about I like Ocean's the guy. I thought, yeah, well, there you go. It, well, keep that in made, mind. It made me sad. Ocean's 13. Yeah, and, and I don't like Andy Garcia, but that's just me. Uh, bringing it back around, trust me. We actually will get there. Trust right, me. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. Can't wait to so, Brad, um, Brad Pitt. Well, Brad Pitt's seen a lot of cameras. Eddie's got his camera out. He's walking the hallways. He's photographing the locations of all the high-value cabinets. Uh, he's also getting shots of the entry and the exit points. Over the next seven or eight months, he maps out exactly what he would need. He even created a Word document titled... What what would you call your word document? Um, robbing the museum, part one. Close. It's quote all caps. Plan for museum invasion. <laughs> so. Well, at least when he gets caught, it's easy for the jury to identify the different documents in the case. However, hey. did he think of all these things? Well, there's a file on his laptop called "Plan for Museum Invasion," Your Honor. Yeah, it wasn't called something real simple. You know, like simple like. You know, Melanie's birthday party part two. No, it was, I'm robbing a bank and here's how I did it <laughs> by Ben Rubel. <laughs> Even call it the PMI, just, uh, you know, acronyms or something, buddy. Yeah. So he's a very, well, liter- he's a literal thinker. A he, <laughs> very literal dude, thinker. You're teeing these up. You keep that in mind too for later. Uh, that goes with Brad Pitt and Clooney. So, uh, Along with his Word document, he also prepared a shopping list for a few things he'd need, like we talked about, the glass cutter with the diamond blade, the wire cutters. Uh, He's got thousands of Ziploc bags. He's got a pair of latex gloves, like I mentioned, that he stole from his doctor during a recent visit. I hope they were unused. (laughs) That is not specified, and I looked for that information. (laughs) Were they Is that pre or post? Yeah, like, uh, what doctor was it? Was one or two fingers on them latex gloves greasy? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yeah, having come fright, straight from his proctologist appointment. <laughs> Moon River. <laughs> so he's dragging this empty suitcase uh, up this dark alley, runs directly behind the Rothschild Natural History Museum in Tring, England, like we discussed. So he's going for the Rothschild Museum. Now, is this 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 must be like an urban-ish area? This isn't like I when you first started describing it, I'm thinking of a darkly lit. You know, a uh, 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 darkly lit road, cobblestone, wrought iron gates, possibly a caretaker somewhere off in the distance, maybe a castle that's abandoned. No, this sounds like a, a city somewhere. I'm not real yeah. familiar with, what do you call it, Train, England, or whatever it is? Tring, 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 T-R-I-N-G, Tring, Tring. You know, Tring. for the people that invented the English language, they just don't spell things half Dude, that island is like what the size of Florida, and there's like 38 different dialects. I mean, come on, man. Uh, I, people on the east don't know what the people on the west are saying. So How's that possible? A quick sidebar. You know what I keep <laughs> sidebar. I keep hearing in my everyday. I know my antennae are up. I'm just hearing it because I've I Ibiza, Ibiza, Ibiza. And the funny thing is, is that I think we were making fun of the name and saying yes. it like Ibiza. I think, that. I think we're saying it right. <laughs> I told you that's like a whole family of speech impediment that just got translated. Yeah, so I, I that's how it works. I think we're uh, we're as the English would say, spot on. <laughs> Cheerio, spot on. Hey, pip, pip. Cheerio. My dad. Right, that's know. all the English. I, I had Cheerios for lunch today. Uh, honey Nut Cheerios. Not a sponsor. 
Back to Eddie. Uh, all that separates him from the museum now is a wall. Now, it's capped with a bunch of rusty strands of barbed wire. I don't know if you pay extra for the rusty barbed wire. But uh, that might have stopped his plans if it, for not for the wire cutters that he brought. So he snips the barbed wire. After clearing an opening, he lifts a suitcase to the ledge, hoists himself up. Uh, he's checking around, glancing around for things, checks the perimeter. No signs of any guards or any people. And so now there's a space several feet between the perch on the wall and the building's nearest window and this sort of forms kind of like a small ravine right so if he fell he could hurt himself real bad or worse make a bunch of noise and that would alert security guards and come find him so he's crouched on top of this wall he reaches towards the window with the glass cutter and he begins grinding away cutting glass you know he's, he's doing like you said like cat burglar style okay i and i'm picturing like he's He's, he's cutting the glass. Like there's a suction cup, and he's got to cut a circle in it. <laughs> and then he cuts. He goes, Perfect circle. And then he takes the other end. He takes the glass cutter off, and he flips it around. The other end's like a little like like little ball thing. He goes tap, 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 and it falls out perfectly. And then he reaches his hand in, and he flips the lever over, and he opens it up, and he enters the museum. I've seen Dude. this on Scooby-Doo. That would have been great, but uh, glass cutting is actually a little harder than Eddie anticipated, and uh, he struggled to carve the opening in, and see, actually, the glass cutter slips and falls out of his hands and falls into the ravine. This guy's bush league. So bush league. He's a floatist. He's a floater, dude. So he has to crawl back down. He picks up a rock, and he smashes in the window. (laughs) All right, plan B. Gotta, Nuts to this! Bang! All right, I do. So. I, I do have a sidebar I want to share. <laughs> so I'm I'm I live in a subdivision, whatever. And there's some doctors' offices around my in around the subdivision at the entrance and stuff. Well, down around the corner, there's this uh, not abandoned, but a an empty, non-used anymore um, nursing home. It has been. Uh, they probably went out of I don't know out of business or whatever about a year and a half ago, just before COVID. And so it's been empty. It's still fine. They mow it, whatever. But to get to the back part, to drive to it, it takes a little, you got to go way around the block and up this other road. But to actually walk there, it's rather close to my house. I mean, I just walk through my two neighbors over backyard and boom, I'm there. Well, my wife and I are hearing this annoying buzzing noise. Well, we couldn't tell where it was coming from. It was so high frequency, so high pitch, but it was... It wouldn't stop. You heard, you only heard it at night, too, after all the <laughs> ambient noise in the area would kind of tone down. So all right. one, one night I drive around, and she kind of thought it was coming from one way, and I thought it was another. So I drive around. I find out it's at this nursing home. A fire alarm's going off. There's little things. Oh, no. There's little, like, buzzers going off inside. There's lights are flashing. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm, I'm there. I'm in the parking lot. I call the... Uh, I call the police station, not 911, the non-emergency number. And I kind of know the lady that works there only because of whatever. Because you've been there so many times. We're not getting into a double sidebar here. No, it's just. Oh, Ben's back again. We're not. And it's not that big of a town. Um, I think she only knows me by maybe my name a little bit because I've reserved rooms at the police station to hold stuff for the baseball crap. So anyways. Like Andy Griffith, here's your cell, Cletus. or I'll, I'll love that. So, no. So. I'm I'm just joking. I said, hey, I called. I'm just, there's a noise at the, you know, I told her the address. She goes, oh, you know, we've had a call on that already. 
it's a police, it's a fire department issue, and they're aware of it, but they can't find the owners. The owners need to come over and let us in to, you know, shut yep. the alarm off. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. If you just want to send them over right now, there's a big rock in the parking lot. We can take care of this. <laughs> I have a key. But I was half serious. I'm like, well, it's been going off for three stupid days. It's about time them firefighters get that axe off the back of their truck, bust a window open, and go take care of business. I mean, I started getting a little mad about it. And Well, you go you go hide a couple of smoke alarms outside the fire department that are on. I'm sure they'll get off their ass well, and be like, hey, that's annoying. And I'm, I don't want to condone you know ben break, hates public city workers breaking, so no i do not oh i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm a big and i'm a big fan of theirs um but i if i wouldn't have called in that night and let's say my neighbor called in and told me this story as i'm telling it to everybody else and i didn't have my name on record of calling and complaining about this <laughs> oh, I, I would have went over there broke i i would not bring a glass cutter i would have brought one tool a freaking hammer busted the door open Busted the stupid alarm <laughs> off the wall, yanked their wires out of there. I don't care what it took because it's, it's the only time you can hear the thing is at night when you're laying in bed trying to sleep. Decent people are trying to sleep. Jesus Christ! I mean, I'd say I'd get up early for work, but uh, somebody's got to get up early for work. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's, like Ben, that's my side Eddie life. smashed Eddie smashed a window like Ben would do. And uh, he actually did trigger an alarm. He triggered a, a alarm. He didn't know that, though, because it was like a silent alarm. Mm-hmm. So unaware that the alarm's going off, Eddie pulls out his LED light, which uh, blasts a bunch of light down the hallway in front of him as he made his way through uh, uh, the museum. Yeah. So he's wheeling his suitcase quietly through the corridor. He's got his floodlight, like his little helmet light on, blasting out light, so um, drawing there, closer. Is there to... still a flute in the suitcase, you think? I've... What do you mean? Well, oh, in the bag? Yeah, in the bag. Yeah, probably. He I came right from the concert hall, yeah. so. That's his, yeah. that's his alibi. I was just playing this flute. I, I'm a fl- flautist. I'm a floater. So he's wheeling his, his flute in the suitcase through through the corridors. Um, let's see. He's he's looking at all the beautiful things he can steal, and he's thinking to himself, man, if he pulls this off, um, they'd bring him fame, wealth, prestige. This would solve all of his problems. No play the stupid flute anymore i don't have to play the flute anymore thank you i get that uh he enters the vault it's hundreds of large white steel cabinets standing in rows like big old centuries and he goes to work man now for some reason security never comes by eddie has almost three hours to load up his suitcase with everything he can find down in the security office the guard had noticed the alarm so because it actually was triggered in another section of the museum. So where he came in at is not where the vault is. And so he's kind of almost got a little bit of time there. So he planned that out pretty well. But the guard's looking at the closed caption TV feed. He's got a bunch of shots, the parking lot, the museum campus and stuff. And uh, he doesn't see anything. He's, got, so. he's probably got the cricket game on, on TV. He's yeah, he right, right. It's a boring a boring job. He's so mundane. He's just um, watching the uh, cricket game. He's probably got bangers and mash. Eating some bangers and mash. Who's uh Who's that soccer team? Something United. Um, Go Man- United. Man- Manchester United. Manchester United. Yeah, man. Hey, anyway, there, there's uh, so a dude, there's a dude that plays soccer in Spain. Um, not Pele. Somebody else. Everybody knows. Roland. Okay. It's Rolando. No, it's not yeah. Rolando. Messi. 
messy. Oh, okay, messy. Lionel Messi. Sure. Yeah. I ain't no hater. Well, the guard wasn't much of a hater either because he got he got tired of watching Messi. He's like, yeah, you're great. You're probably gonna beat us, and that's fine. So down down with Blackpool, and uh, he begins his rounds. He begins pacing the halls. He starts checking the doors, scanning for anything strange, as security guards do. Now he uh, he steps outside, begins a perimeter check. He's checking all the windows. He's beaming the flashlight around, you know, like they do in the movies. And uh, he's even go by that abutment, that brick wall by the bank alley. So now Eddie stood before the broken window. Now there's a bunch of shards of glass all over the place, right? So so you got to watch out for that. That guard's going to see that eventually. But, but so far, everything is going according to plan, with the exception of dropping the glass cutter and the shards of glass, right? This, All that remain now. This is a Scooby-Doo episode. I'm just, this is, oh, I, it, in my head, that's all I can see is a Scooby-Doo That's episode. awesome. With Don Knotts, Little Mary's Unlike, and that dude singing in the basement, let and, me out of here. And the, and the guard is shining the flashlight around, which on the cartoon is represented by like a cone-shaped yellow funnel of light. <laughs> and Is that not what light is? Oh, that's don't... exactly. And and when that yeah. cone shaped funnel of light goes on the subject that's breaking it, all they got to do to hide is like stand up against the wall, put their palms flat on the wall. <laughs> you know, that's that's of... what he does. It's funny you bring that up. That's how I got. He's do. like freeze. Oh, he's he's standing in the caveman section. And he's just like oh. <laughs> yeah. So, just run through two doors and then go through another door while that guy goes through the door and then you're all good. So right. no, he he get he gets out there right. He dodges the. Uh, the guard and all he's got to do now is climb back out of the window without cutting himself open on the glass and now, did you slip away into the dark stole? of the night did you say what he put in the bag did we ever get any background like what treasures? we'll get there okay okay all right we'll get there we'll get there june 24th 2009 the natural history museum security guards halfway through his round oh i guess that was to set up what date it was uh and he noticed the shards of glass near the base of the building he's like oh man so he scans the area he settles on the smashed out window overhead. He hurries inside and he's telling the curator, he's like, oh God, this seems like there's a break in. And so the police arrive. They begin searching for evidence. They examine all the cabinets in the immediate vicinity of the broken window and they scan around the ground outside and they don't find anything. And they ask for an estimate and the window had been broken out. The security guard's like, I don't know, somewhere in the last 12 hours. I mean, Manchester United, Messi, Blackpool, they were all playing, so I had to watch it. You ever watch a cricket game? Sometimes they take five days. So mercifully, nothing seemed to be missing, though. Now, they were all puzzled about what the intruder had been after. They are like, clearly somebody broke in, but nothing's gone. So the police mentioned that there had been recently a rash of smash and grabs, smash and grub, uh, around the town by petty thieves looking for laptops and electronics. But after a search at, like, the staff offices and stuff... All the laptops and electronics were there. Nothing was missing. It appears as though the culprit had just poked his head in, looked about, and found nothing obvious of value, and left. So they made a brief police report written up by the Bobbies, and uh, the case of the broken window is considered closed. Uh, so am I getting ahead of ourselves here and asking, did he steal anything? Oh, dude. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Right, now, July 28th, July 28th, 2009, over a month after the broken window case is closed, uh, this guy Mark Adams shows up for work. He has no idea how bad his day is going to be. He walks down the, the hallways. He's, he goes into the bird collection wing of the museum, right? And he's like, they got all these beautiful birds and stuff like that. He opens up the cabinet containing the red-ruffed fruit crows or the Indian crows, just as he'd done tons of times before. 
pulls the tray open. It's empty. He's like, oh, shit. Pulls another tray open. Empty. Another one. Empty. Another one. Empty. 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 All empty. Eddie had stolen $1 million worth of birds. Actual birds. Like, hold, what? Like, a live bird? Yes. Well, no. Stuffed. The British Museum here had the second largest collection of bird skin specimens in the world. It collects birds to study biology, climate change, natural history. There were over 299 brightly colored tropical bird skins that Eddie took. Most were adult males, drab-looking juveniles, and females had been left undisturbed. But uh, among the missing skins were rare and precious quetzals and... Cotingas from the Central America and South American uh, areas, and the bowerbirds, Indian crowbirds, and birds of paradise shipped from all over New Guinea. Okay, so this dude. All right, I like this. I like this a lot. He went in there. <laughs> speci- he knew what he was going for. Oh, yeah, yeah. He cased the joint, man, like we said, and uh, he could, targeted the bird cabinets. It could be for. So, I mean, he was trying to find something that was very particular. I wonder if he had a. I wonder if he had, like, a buyer already for him. You don't – you got to – I mean, it's one thing to steal shit, but it's another thing to be able to move it, you know? So if you would steal a bunch of um, diamonds or gold or cash, that's easy to move I, I, in, in comparison to Incan ceremonial headdresses, you know? You got to know <laughs> someone who wants one of those things. We got this Mexican death whistle. Uh, got a box <laughs> of them. Anybody – nobody wants these, yeah, huh? Uh, right. they're, no, they're worth billions. But I nobody wants them, huh? To the museum I stole them from. So this dirt, this dude, he's gotta have a he's gotta have a fence lined up. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. Um, I will I will tell you that uh, we stole our first PA in my high school band, Twenty One Days. And with that, when we come back from break, I'll tell you what happened to the birds. Without I, I want to hear what about the, about the amp you stole, Brian. And we're back. So, How was your break? Awesome. So, do you think any of those guys listen to the podcast and hear the hear the bumper music and they're like, "Man, it was the day, man. It was the back in the day." <laughs> that's that's what I do. So I assume so. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Riggs is out there just being like, "Yeah, man. Why does he play that song? There's so many better songs we could have done." <laughs> I uh, I feel like every time I think about us back in high school times, there's like this. This this tone, this sing songy way, I feel that we all talked. We were I, I I wasn't a hippie. You were not really a hippie, but it was hey. Not really. It was all Trent and like Hey man, what's going on, man? Yeah, <laughs> man. Like it, it was it was grunge. Like a Cheech and Chong, man. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Why is that? Well, none yeah. of none of us talked like that. But in my I don't know. In my head, and you know, once it's in my head, I can't go back. That's how it happened. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's how, how it happened that's in Ben's head. All right, what where are we at? We're here with uh Mr. Wrist. Right? Yes, Mr. Wrist, aka the feather thief. Okay. Oh, the so, he's got uh, a name. He's got a oh, they gave him a name? They gave him a name. I guess I shouldn't have dropped that so soon. Um, let me step back a bit, because you seem confused as to why the man would steal 299 brightly colored tropical bird skins. Well, I, I, I'm I, not... Well, you haven't told me yet, so I'm not confused. I'm, I'm surmising. <laughs> I'm, cre- I see. I'm, I'm I making see. up 
stories in my head that I probably can never overwrite. <laughs> Whatever, go ahead. I see. Well, I've dropped a couple hints for those paying super close attention. Um, so here we go. Uh, when he is around 10 years old, Eddie and his brother, Anton, uh, they come across a VHS video cassette about fly tying. Did I not mention the fly tying, Ben? Did I not bring that up in his childhood? No, I didn't know he was big into, you know, uh, 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 trout fishing. Oh, dude, we're there. Uh, him and his brother get this video about fly tying and become completely transfixed by what's on screen. They start racing around the house looking for materials to start tying flies of their own. Quote from Eddie and or his brother Anton because they both wrote a letter and signed it together, so I have no idea who said what. Quote, we might have either been bored or uh, had run out of movies. We didn't have cable TV, uh, but I'm pretty unsure of the exact force that got us watching. The, the first video was a tie-in video geared towards kids, uh, which even as children we could tell was deadly dull. Uh, the interesting part, indeed, the whole point of the video was seeing that flies come to shape, seeing some guy wrapping thread about what appeared to be at the time a glorified dust bunny around a hook and magically making a spider, a dragonfly, or some other family insect. Hmm. So they were like, holy cow, this guy just took some uh, bits of string and twisty and, and made a bug. I like, the way so. you, I like the way you did this, Brian. You had a little bit of no. a, what's it? Not foreshadowing, but backshadowing here. Like, yeah, we're gonna Yeah, man. Look, look back into this individual's psyche and he was a end of tying flies, which seems to be a very be a very wholesome sort of thing. It's apparently not. Uh, well, apparently okay. Needed, it was, like, I was gonna say, yeah, it was not wholesome, and I was thinking it's episode sixty nine, so we're looking back. So That's he went we're... into a drawer in somewhere <laughs> in England and sold about a million dollars worth of shit that some of it possibly was collected from the Galapagos Islands from Charles Darwin himself. Oh shit, I forgot they're English. I to oh no, he's not. He's American in England. Okay, that's right. So I did the accent right. Oh, freaked me out there for a second. Now, uh in the beginning, it was just trout flies, which are ugly looking things made to look like real insects and then another quote from eddie and anton about that they said quote uh after several months of tying halfway decent woolly buggers and abysmal foam body dragonflies we began to look into lessons at our local orvis shop orvis is a brand of uh, fishing outfitter yeah uh with the onset of the lessons we'd met one that would end up considered being our most influential teacher a man named george hooper now, uh, one of these competitions that he got us into was a World Fly Tying Expo in Wilmington, Massachusetts, where we first discovered salmon flies. Now, oh boy, while milling around and waiting for judges to decide the winner, we ran into a, a salmon fly booth manned by Edward Muzzy Muzzarole. Oh, and Muzz, the Muzz. The Muzz, the Muzz yeah, the Muzzy. Muzz. Muzz is here. Uh, practically went crazy looking at all those amazing flies he had on display. This was it. Uh, you might say we were hooked on salmon flies. <laughs> uh, we subsequently made a trip to Maine, learned how to tie salmon flies with Muzzy, and learned all the basics. And uh, we took another lesson, and this time with Paul. Oh, wow. Patales. P T A L I. Patales? Patales. Paul Talis. We went. Yeah, sure. We went to a creative tie weekend with 
Paul Rossman, both of which gave us necessary boost in time, quality, color, selection, and creating a fly uh, of its own life. Wow, these guys are into this shit. They are so, way uh, now, into it. Can we skip through this little nerdy guy? Now, fly <laughs> tying is not merely a hobby. It's an obsession. Oh, we're trying to get to the guy's psyche. Uh, we seem to devote a substantial part of our time to not merely tying, but examining feather structure, designing flies, and coming up with new techniques for getting exactly what we want out of a fly. So far, it seems to be working pretty pretty well uh there is always room to improve and our greatest hope is that we will continue to do so basically eddie loves fly tying but he's constrained by the lack of authentic original feathers to tie flies with i have a lot of questions (laughs) (laughs) a do they fish are they fishermen uh no we'll get there okay and B comes up in a sec, actually. Uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but it sounds maybe like not. this dude is now stealing these multi, like, what do you say, $17 billion worth of feathers from a museum in somewhere in England? So, yes. Okay. Okay. So, that was the exact number. So, I'm just going through in my head how he, his, his rationale, his logic, his step by step process, he had to take to go do this. <laughs> All right. He's sitting in New York plays a flute like a madman yeah good flutist good fluter he just can't find the right color red feather anywhere in the great state of new york the empire state he's tying I, he's at the five ah, this is just I not right understand amazon's not big back then and maybe they were <laughs> but they're still just selling books books, books. so a book on fly tying. so he comes up with a plan <laughs> books an airline flight Got an idea. Gets a gig. Probably had to kind of beg for a gig a little bit. And then slips away, suitcase packed, breaks into a museum that isn't possibly guarded by the most. uh, No, it was Don Knotts. (laughs) It was was Don Knotts guarding the museum. I don't know who Bart the mall cop dude this is. Paul Blart. Paul Blart. (laughs) Thank you. And he goes and he steals very, very specific stuff. That was worth a lot of money. Yes, and $100 million worth of bird bodies. And please, Brian, tell me the only thing he wanted this stuff for was to tie a fly. He didn't want to profit on it. He didn't want to sell it. He just wanted to go tie some flies. He always dreamt of being able to tie the recipes that were mapped out 150 years or so ago by the old masters. And now you know the rest of the story. And he seriously... Had to put a lot of thought into this, a lot of planning. He didn't just, all right, I, dude. He he learned to be the he learned to play the flute just so he could get into. No, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> that was part of the. He's like, if I play the flute, I can get into the conservatory. I'll play a gig, and then it's a 40 minute train ride. It's like, all right, 12 years of flute. <laughs> Apparently, he put a little bit too much time into flute playing, not enough into glass cutting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so okay, awesome. so he he stole these birds. These dead carcasses, yeah. and yeah, took yeah, them yeah. home, and and him and his brothers started tying flies, just like they used just to. Just an orgy of tie flying. Like, oh my god! So oh, look at it. He stole extinct bird carcasses to tie the flies that the old men did 150 years ago. Yes. All right. How did he get caught? Well, uh, the museum drafts a press release announcing the theft, and a quote from Detective Inspector Fraser Wheelie Wiley Wheelie. This is a very unusual crime. Uh, we're appealing for anyone who may have seen any suspicious activity around the museum. 
Now, Richard Lane, the then director of the science uh, at the museum, declared that the skins were of immense historical importance. Quote, Sorry, Michelle. Uh, These birds are extremely scarce. They're scarce in collections and even more scarce in the wild. Our utmost priority is working with the police to return these specimens to the national collections so that they can be used for future generations of scientists. (laughs) Fifteen months into the investigation, 22-year-old Eddie is arrested at his apartment and charged with masterminding the heist. An anonymous tip finally came from a fly tire in the Netherlands. Um... He, this dude had a bird skin he'd never seen at a festival, and he thought it might have possibly been one of the Wallace specimens. Now, the Wallace specimen, Dr. Wallace, Professor Wallace, is the guy who went out and collected all those rare birds for the Natural History Museum. It's a very impressive collection, or was. Collected. He, so, shot, he shot birds and brought them. <laughs> <laughs> collected. Look at this beautiful plumage. He's like, go bag it. Okay. Oh, oh, hey, look at that over there. That's a, that's a, that's a gross bee corn wobbler. Oh my gosh, how beautiful. It's so it sinks so <laughs> Nailed it. All right, thanks. Put hey, him in the bag. Jeeves, go get that bird. So cops managed to connect the feathers to an eBay account. Would you like to take a guess at what the eBay account was named? Probably his stupid fucking name. Flute Player 1988. Flute Player 1988, Ian Risk. <laughs> That's me. Ian Rand. Ian Rand. Uh Surrounded by Ziploc bags, jammed with thousands of iridescent feathers and cardboard boxes that held what remained of the skins, Eddie confesses. They find this in his apartment. Eddie admits he had harvested the feathers off of many of the stolen birds and snipped the identifying tags off others, rendering them scientifically useless. Uh, He also sold the plumes online to the Feather Underground. Now, that is a flock of zealous 21st century fly tires. You're an idiot. Twenty-first century fly tires who insist on using the authentic plumes called for in the original nineteenth-century recipes. While most of the feathers can be obtained legally, there's an extensive black market for tufts of species now protected or endangered. That makes sense. Some Victorian flies require more than two thousand dollars worth, uh, all wound around a single barbed hook. Like Eddie, a virtuoso tire, a surprising percentage of fly tires have no idea how to fish and have no intention of ever casting uh, the prize lures into the actual water where there's salmon. Um, and even greater irony, I don't know if you know this, you're a pretty good fisherman, salmon can't tell the difference between a spangled cotiga plume and a cat's hairball, so what the F? Um, I, that sidebar, I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this and... Uh... I, I just looked it up on the internet. Actually, the dark web was started by underground fly tires. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I heard. I mean, right? that's the... what 4chain started out as. Just that was right. Like 8chain, those were the really, really down, you know, underground, underground fly tires. That's the deep ones. <laughs> Super deep dark web. That's what it is. You got to be careful running with that crowd. And so uh, Eddie is arrested, charged with burglary and money laundering. He's facing 10 years in prison uh, for the former and 14 years in prison for the latter. That's some serious time. What's more is that he pled guilty to it. So it's not like there's a whole big uh, trial that's going to go on. And curiously enough, how much jail time do you think Eddie does? Three years. Ooh, that's a good guess. Uh, Eddie does absolutely no jail time. (laughs) 
I love the way you just throw me a bone. Good guess. Good guess, Ben. Wrong. <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> nice. That's a nice. <laughs> so. Why did I say that? So, Why did he not get any jail time? Did he, uh, did he, um, die? Uh, no, but doctors were involved. It turns out, with the help of a psychologist named Sir Simon Baron Cohen, that's a really uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's cousin. <laughs> for it, realsies. It, it, that, that is, that is uh, related to Sasha Baron Cohen? This, uh-huh, this dude? That's, yes, literally his cousin okay. is a psychologist. Okay. And um, him and the uh, lawyer successfully argue that Eddie has Asperger's syndrome, and thus he is unable to understand the gravity of his actions. That is, Brian. Hold on, I just want to tell you. Uh huh. Uh huh. I earlier today, less than like eight hours ago, was talking to a, a buddy of mine, and we were talking about some people we know that we believe have Asperger's syndrome, and neither of us could remember that term asperger's oh, syndrome until yeah, just sure. now it all comes around brian it's a, it's like a it's like a revolution you got like a flurry of texts you have to send now you're like oh, i know the name no i i feel like after this gets dropped i have to say remember we were talking about that asperger's syndrome and i had that guy i knew that set up the uh model recreations of gettysburg and you're you got a people a guy that is a boss he's kind of an asshole but i just don't think he knows it yeah <laughs> listen to this episode You'll learn all about it. Asperger's. It's got the word ass in it. No, that sounds like this guy was hyper-focused on that one thing. And that's Asperger's, super hyper-focused on tying flies. And he went in and did this crazy caper. Can we call it a caper? I think we can call it a caper. Oh, uh, yeah. It's caper. It's a heist. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah. And um, so a one-man burglary crew. And he, uh, oh, dude, he grabs we're there the stupidest crap out of this museum bird feathers. Oh, dude, he didn't want to sell them. I was, I kind of want to give him some props before you told me what he's doing with them. Before you brought up that, 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 for that, the back shadowing of it gets better, <laughs> it, it actually gets better. Oh, there's more. We're not, at <laughs> oh, the... there's more. Oh, we're not done. Oh, yet. God, then tell me to shut up. Let's listen. No, no, All yeah, right. yeah, no. Uh, so his lawyer argues that he's got Asperger's, it's that's to blame, and so the caper was merely, quote, uh, that was a James Bond fantasy gone wrong. He didn't understand what he was doing. So now you have to ask yourself. Gone wrong? I told you. It went off. He did it. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> he yeah, so and I, he, he sold tens of thousands of dollars worth of uh, bird feathers online, right? So where did that money go, and what was he going to do with it? More bird feathers. Uh, well, he told the court it went towards buying a new golden flute. This guy's <laughs> a golden flute. <laughs> he bought a golden flute. He has he has different goals than maybe you and I. <laughs> I would say. Uh, with his golden flute, he has given a 12-month jail sentence, suspended for two years, and uh, supervision for um, 12 months. The confiscation order. Okay, the confiscation order is made at St. Albans Crown Court on Friday that that week. Uh, the sum of one hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars is the amount he is estimated to have made by selling the skins stolen from the collection uh, through outlets like eBay. Now, Detective Sergeant Joe Quinlevan Quil- 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 of Hertfordshire Police uh, Economics Crime Unit says, "Quote: 
This is a very positive result for us, and it sends a strong message that making money through crime never pays. Um, don't even get me started on bird law, but uh oh yes, I I, I I feel like this this entire case they probably documented it. There were people that were very involved in it. Um, Mr. Rist himself was very dedicated to the entire process of which he wanted to steal these bird feathers and make his fishing lures and all that crap. Um, but I don't think a majority of the Western culture probably w- were tuned into this case. This wasn't the OJ case. This wasn't, you know. Oh, yeah. This, no, right? This wasn't like the death of Elvis Presley. This wasn't some huge crime and music uh, marquee banner name. So it probably no. didn't get a lot of press. So imagine you are the judge, and you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, eat some breakfast, go into work, pop the robe on, powdered wig. I'm assuming he's got a powdered wig. It's England. Barrister. Sure, yeah, uh, sure. The barrister. And what the, are we doing? And the bailiff or the docket manager, whatever, hands, the you, eater. Hand, hands you over a, a file, and you open it up. And you look yeah, at the, the next thing, the next case you have to hear is this. A dude so stole bird An American feathers. came over. American flutists came over, stole bird feathers to buy a golden flute and tie fly fishing flies from the 1500s. And you read, like, you, no, you read that, on. and the first thing you do is you look up from that folder, Where's that vanilla folder. <laughs> you look up, and you look at all the faces in the courtroom, and you're waiting to see somebody crack because you're just thinking to yourself, this is bullshit. Right. This is yakety sex. Like Benny Hill and shit. And the next thing you got to do is you got to look over 90 degrees to your right over to like the guy that hands you the folder and you're like, the beef eater. Is this, re- is this for real? Is this for real? Is this, We're doing this? Is this, this? <laughs> is this a day where people do jokes on people that I'm unaware of? Because I can't oh, be oh God, hearing a case this. right now that I have to cite 15th century bird law. <laughs> so well he does and uh eddie has six months to pay some fines and if he doesn't do so he'll have to serve 12 months in prison so uh he paid back over a hundred seventy two thousand seven hundred nine dollars and 19 cents of the money he made through the bird skin and feather sales now just over a third of the missing birds have been recovered and rehomed back to other museums thanks to anonymous tips from around the world but many of them are still missing and their tags containing key data thus making them ultimately uh useless until they're recovered and get back so they can study science now there was a whole bit on this about how they study the aging of the bird feathers from all those years ago to now to do about air pollution and stuff like that so it was a pretty decent hit to uh scientific sort of information Mm -hmm. yeah well there's a lot of when you when you catalog that stuff no matter what it is when you're doing science you try to keep everything as pristine and as pure as you can because you never know what technology might come about where you can get more data from that 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 piece of bird feather or whatever you know yes right so no you're right so i can see where this might have been an old stash of 200 year old feathers but, I, but he knew what he was after, I, I, so that's what I'll say. I I I I I really like this story. <laughs> well, great. we're almost there. Hold on, let me let me let me round the let me round third here and bring it home. All right. So, all right, all right. Uh, as he pays back his 
$172,709.19 fine. He also successfully graduates from the Royal Academy of Music. Uh, he goes on to be a professional career flautist in Germany uh, with various orchestras and ensembles. Capping off Eddie's incredible scam, Kirk Wallace Johnson, author of The Feather Thief, which is a book that covers this insane story, which I pretty much lifted most of this from. Um, he argues that the Asperger's defense was also complete bullshit. He notes that a six-hour in-person interview with Eddie that he and Eddie did, he acted completely normal, having no issues with eye contact, social clues, or any such marked behavior renowned for those typically uh, identified as having Asperger's. What's more, when Johnson called him out on his behavior, he completely flipped on a dime. All of a sudden, he's acting much more withdrawn, rocking back and forth, changing his voice effect dramatically. So... Either way, Eddie is a free man, moves to Germany, avoids the press, and now he makes heavy metal flute videos on YouTube. Now, one of them that posted to his YouTube channel is uh, he owns the YouTube channel Heavy Metal Flute under the name Edwin Reinhard and performs Metallica's Master of Puppets on the flute. Currently has 268,000 views. He's got five other flute videos like Game of Thrones and like Hobbit themes and covers and stuff like that. His channel has about 1,000... 84 subscribers and uh we'll close it with a quote from edwin wrist aka the feather thief himself quote i try to refrain from certain words thief is one of them this is going to sound very strange but i don't feel like a thief edwin reist everybody Woo! so when you break a glass cutter out of a bag almost in Every single situation other than you are a professional glass cutter, you're a thief. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a burglar. Yeah, a, you're a burglar. Yeah, you're definitely a burglar. So, Brian. What'd you think uh, of the Feather Thief, I, Ben, I really, for episode this, 69? <laughs> that one was fun. I was expecting yeah. more of a, I, I don't, it, for 69, I didn't know what to expect, Brian. But. Something a little different, Ben. Something I, a little different. Am I wrong? It, tell me if, I would like maybe our, 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 uh, folks listening could confirm or deny but i'd like you right now brian to try and think of any other subject that have to be living subjects that we have talked about in, in the past that we possibly would have a better chance of literally getting on the show <laughs> <laughs> no this is the guy. <laughs> the guy this would be the guy we have about the same amount of followers so we'd like double double his population hey man we'll do a promo a swap. cross-platform situation here bud <laughs> play our uh play our theme song in heavy metal flute I, I don't know where he's living it sounds like he's hanging out with david hasloff eating cheeseburgers in some drunk hotel room right now over in germany but um that's probably where he feels most comfortable playing handel and bach but I know a professional musician in Germany right now. My my buddy, the bass player. Call so, it in. Uh, Call yeah. it in. Yeah, let's... yeah, we might be able to see what we can do here, people. So if we could, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think any us, you, me, my okay. wife, our listeners, I feel have the exact equal possible chance of calling this guy up tomorrow, tracking him down, and actually getting an interview with him. Getting him on the phone. I think we could. We'll see. I we'll see. We we'll do a follow-up. Like, what are you we'll doing? I'm eating some thief. schnitzel. What are you doing? Just... Learning about feathers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? You got a couple of those little stash toys somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Or no? hey, you got any feathers? Got a little, I got some feather action Zero. over here. 
Wow. All right. Well, I'm glad you like the feather thief. I appreciate that. I, I wanted it to be good for you. I was sitting on it for a little while and I'm like, I need something good because I know Ben's going to think the 69 uh, is I was, uh, something special. So I was worried. When Here we are. I was worried. I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. Wow. wow. I was worried when now. you're like, no, nope, you don't know who this guy is. No, nope, you don't know who this guy is. No, I, I wondered because if, if you were ever into fly tying, apparently it's quite the tail so i was like maybe i could see some other people like he who may not be named or like your woodworking buddy or, or my woodworking buddy any of those like super anal nerd research types would i was like oh he might know though you know no so no. Hey, i was a little worried myself i didn't know i was like maybe because this is such a weird story right nah, it's got a gold flute it's got an american flutist who goes to london there's a glass cutter and he's like stealing and then there's the underground feather network and like <laughs> ah it's just like what and they don't even fish they don't even fish <laughs> that's the thing all of this they don't even fish i uh the underground feather network. crazy <laughs> I think that could be a name yeah, of a saturday morning that's cartoon the... tv show for kids <laughs> that's uh, right the underground feather network it's like where the crows and the doves help each other to end pollution yeah uh, you're talking about well, Cap- right. captain marvel uh, captain planet <laughs> captain planet all right, not a sponsor but uh these people aren't sponsors either but let's have a little feedback ah that only hurts me when you're not here i, I don't know why i can I hear it that. a little bit well, okay. Uh, we got some feedback. We got a Facebook comment from Felicia Evans on our Flavor Flav episode. Felicia says, yeah, boys. She didn't actually put that other part on there. She just said, yeah. So, hey, thanks, Felicia. Really appreciate that. We got a YouTube can, comment can we from. Just, can we just sign off real quick to say, bye, Felicia. <laughs> I, w- I was letting that go. I didn't want to. No, okay. that's, in, that's, that's that negative. No. Well, thank you, Felicia. Until, Thanks, Felicia. Until next. Hi, Felicia. Until next time. Yes, uh, we got a YouTube comment from Testing Test on our Aaron Carter episode. Um, let's see here. Hey, Aaron, Purple Dildo Carter, crazy drugged out King of Lion. Didn't you just tell me that you that somehow you just put the Aaron Carter episode up on YouTube or something recently, and people exploded? Yeah, like ex- yeah, I kind of neglected. It. Not at all. Well, no, I but- just. Not at us, but no, uh, I got neglectful of our YouTube audience, and I apologize, but I updated our YouTube channel. It's current with uh, all the rest of the podcast, and uh, yeah, the next thing I know, within, boy, a couple hours, <laughs> I got a bunch of comments on Aaron Carter. I had no idea. He was so controversial. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's like the Soda Pop uh, Music Festival all over again here. Didn't know there were so many people that had things to say about that guy. Right. No, but to actually break this down, I do love A.A. Ron for anyone named Aaron or or, or little Aaron. Oh, yeah. Aaron's. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you got to go A.A. Ron. You don't just messed up A.A. Ron. Oh, A.A. Ron. Uh, big Purple Dildo, though, right? Do you remember? Purple? Did you ever did play you Saints Row? Purple, Brian? Pur- it's purple's the color of the day, man. That's going hashtag purple in this episode. <laughs> That's. You know what, Ben? It is my favorite color. All right, fine. <laughs> Shut up. Just a lot of be. It's fine. <laughs> I love Prince. What can I? I can't help it. But no, uh, the game Saints Row Three wasn't there. Just like a giant baseball that purple dildo that was a melee weapon. You go around beating people with it. Oh, was that? Did you not play that game? No, I, I, I never really got into that game. I think it's a good game. Oh, I've heard that game a lot. Is so I should. Funny. I should. But it's Grand Theft Auto on like weed. It's so funny. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which. 
was a bit, How's that going a bit of a flop. I played it when it first came out. Wah, wah, yeah, wah. yeah, definitely, definitely. That should be the overall. Wah, 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 wah. But they had a they had a, a a weapon on there that was just a big, huge show. Dude, I'm telling you, from from watching those games, if you take a giant baseball bat sized dildo to the head, that's gonna do some damage. I, that sounds like potato chips. Don't, don't don't break on me yet. I don't know. That was I was itching my beard. Get a little beard it. Oh, okay. All right, so oh, all right. All right, what are, what are some other of our other followers have to all say? All right, well, we actually, we're into some speak pipes. Oh, speak pipes. We got pipe. some speak pipes here. Okay, Jason Ninja Turtle Rap. Hey, currently listening to the uh, Kid Rock episode. Just wanted to clarify the uh, reference to Vanilla Ice and the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, T-U-R-T-L-E, Power. Those were two different songs. Vanilla Ice's song, Ninja Rap, was on the soundtrack for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. It's like he's and here. the T-U-R-T-L-E Power, that was Turtle Power by Partners in Crime off the original soundtrack for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. The difference... Ah, oh, fuck. I'm getting pulled over, dude. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> That's from co-host Jason, everybody. <laughs> so, so, so one of the funny things is I'm listening to this, and uh, uh, let's just get 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 it straight. We love Jason. I mean, oh yeah, friend, no, whatever. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's one of the guys. But I'm listening to him like, dude, you're getting way too into this for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> But I appreciate going deep. I appreciate I appreciate it. It's just it's just there's nobody else on this earth that well, I Mithron. that I know that would well, okay. even come close to knowing that. <laughs> but well, we actually got another. Oh, go ahead. But 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 we need that. We need people that are like, hey man, that <laughs> that that Sorry, that turn t- teenage mutant ninja turtle album. That you were talking about was actually a different album under a different label with a different teenage. <laughs> Those are two different mean, songs. That's a different teenage mutant. Those are different general. turtles. And yeah. I don't know if you know this. That's Eastman and Lard. But that's not Kid uh, Rock yeah. had a huge fight with Vanilla Ice over the two two teenage mutant ninja turtle albums, and <laughs> they had to call Splinter in to break them up. <laughs> this isn't something Jason has to look up. <laughs> Shit, he knows. Oh no, he knew this. He, yeah, he, no, he knew this off the top of his head. He, this isn't. He, he was just like driving into work and like, oh, they're they, nope, guys, it's two songs. And then he got pulled. Which I did and then know, he got pulled I over. I hope this is the he got in, pulled over. The continuation of he got pulled over. So I can verify that he got pulled over because he called me immediately afterwards. <laughs> so, I definitely there was and he's, paperwork. He's not a cop, but he works in a prison. He's a he has his jacket that says corrections on it when he when he drives. So we can't say any more about that. We'll just, but anyway. All right. All right. So uh, this, this is probably a more realistic, usual version of, of Jay. Just got finished listening to the last podcast, and Ben made a mention that maybe I should send a message. So I'm going to send a message. Um, it is Saturday, the day after Christmas. I have a babysitter and a shit ton of beer. So I'm going to give you a status update after each and every beer I drink. So without further ado, I will commence my drinking, starting with the blue moon. It is 925 at night, 
not during the day. I'm not that guy yet. So uh, there's going to be somewhat of a new speak pipe section coming up on the show where we keep you updated on Jason's Beerapalooza from Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, you got one. Did he? I know, Jay. I have 37 <laughs> of those messages. I am not exaggerating. 34, 37, somewhere deep into the 30s. Yeah, yeah. No. That's funny. That's from Christmas? Uh, Yeah, roundabout. I mean, let's just so put a little, show, a little bit of a time frame on this. That's like six months ago. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing, man? Put the curtain back where it goes. Oh, I don't want people to think this is a Christmas episode. It's our 69 episode. Um, That's right. It's our purple 69 episode. <laughs> so I do want to go back. So super fan Michelle text text me the other day, and she just says, "Right." It's, and 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 she said something very. I'm sure if I just listened to the episode that she listened to with us on it, her text would have made exactly her text would have yeah. made perfect sense. It said something like, "I've never been to a Dave Matthews concert. I don't consider myself a huge Dave Matthews fan. I don't even know what we said." But I oh, you said you and her went to Dave Matthews. You were bagging on Dave Matthews just a couple episodes ago, like well, Vince Neil or something. I, so. I must have been mistaken because I know a group of us went down to Indiana to go see a Dave Matthews concert. And I'm gonna bet you, super fan Michelle just doesn't remember. <laughs> no, so I guess she. I guess, I guess. I guess super fan Michelle wasn't there. I feel like she was. Aww. she was there in spirit. Aww, well. But, there you go. I was like, that's how important Superfan Michelle okay, is. Okay, so I'm glad you remember it because I don't remember saying that. And so I, I text her back. I'm like, hey, are you uh, <clears throat> drinking right now or something? What do you? And she's what, like, no, uh, I just got to listen to this episode. And, <laughs> and so it kind of made me think, I don't remember everything I say. I don't remember. And I, Well, the internet never forgets, Ben. Well, good. We can all listen to it, you know, when we're all <laughs> somewhat, somewhat older Got a little bit of uh, Alzheimer's kicking in. I'm like, I remember when I said that. Ben, that's not even you. That's Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's not even our podcast. Yeah, that's pull that shit up. Uh, well, something else you said. We were talking about the history of the word Canada. Oh. And we reached out to our friend Canadian Mike. And uh, if you're ready, we've got a speak pipe from Canadian Mike. Oh, this is Canadian Mike? Listen up, Americans. This is your favorite president speaking. I'm never wrong, and I've scored 100% in all my polls. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. There's nothing to worry about. Just kidding. This is Mike from Canada. I'm a big fan of the Crime and Music podcast. On a recent episode, they talked about the origins of the word Canada and how it was uh, originally spelled K-A-N-A-T-A, loosely translated as Our Village is Over There. Uh, I can confirm that that is a true story. Yes. You can look it up, but you can just believe me because I'm Canadian. I <laughs> uh, hope everybody has a fantastic day and uh, peace. Yes. Thank you, and, Canadian Mike. And we know uh, a few Our things we know about Cana Canadians. Super nice people. Nicest, Nicest people, ever. people ever. And they never lie. They're, they're incapable of lying, Brian. I don't think they can. No, no. It's not in their genetic so, makeup. There you go. Yeah. They're like... Uh, they're like a droid from Star Wars. They can't lie. Um, it's not in the programming. So that was good to hear from Mike, though. I like hanging out with Yeah. Him. We hung out. With, that guy was a fun guy. We're not allowed to. The gov Our government's are not letting us. I'm yeah, talking they're... about him like he's dead. He is a fun no, guy. No, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a good guy. guy. He's he good did guy. a pretty good All Trump. Right. <laughs> That's pretty good Trump. That was not bad, yeah. right? He also threatened me. He said, he's like, I got a wicked Obama, too. And I was like, hey, man, speak pipe is open for everybody. 
So I, I'm I'm glad to hear he's listening to it. All right, cool. Okay, well, uh, from Canada to New Zealand, we got a speak pipe from the Killer Kiwi, Ekuzig. Ekuzig. Nailed it. Hello again, it's Brian and Ben Tell you about music history 10 out of 10 Telling you all the stuff Put it up in the air But don't you dare worry Cause we will get you there Why don't you go ahead And guess the guest I promise you this ain't Some sort of test I'ma make sure you think This podcast is the best Finishing this episode Will leave you impressed Oh here it comes again Sidebar Got the best podcast By far At best you may think It's a little bizarre Look, it's a 5 out of 5 Call it a par 21 days What is that? Or why don't you let Brian and Ben have a little chat that the knowledge in your brain don't wear a hat to stay on the seat where you're sat hey hey <laughs> holy cow dude i'm gonna down from uh, new zealand man killer kiwi egg i'm gonna make that my pot i'm gonna make that my ringtone oh man that's the that best. was something dude seriously high five there you go. high five high five to that guy Super high five myself, no friends. Super huge high five to that guy. Thank you very much. Wow. There you go. I appreciate that. You know, As we appreciate all of our feedbacks, people, well, and speak pipes. That's the kind of stuff Thank you, you do this, and then somebody comes out. He put a lot of work into that. I feel like that's a lot of work. I no? feel like there's some work there. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I can't do bars off the top of my head. Oh, I mean, if I'm pretty drunk, I can. Well, but, no, he, uh, not he like incorporated that. a ton of. A ton of uh, oh, he nailed the sidebar uh, thing. The, side the twenty one days, thing, the twenty one days yeah. things. Yeah, that's awesome. Twenty one days. What he is sounded that? a little bit like it's my a, high school uh, band, like Drake, but he he one hundred percent sounded like he was from the New Zealand. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, I would yeah. like to talk to him a that little was bit. Great. I would like for him to call into the show, and I have to ask. So one of the things I remember when I went to Australia is there's this. There's this friendly little rivalry with Australia and New Zealand. They got their little thing going, oh, and they like making I fun bet. of each other. I'd love to get a little bit more insight on that. Yeah, because so I flew in there. I flew in, and we—I can't remember if it's on the way in or the way out. But we had to land in New Zealand first for like a quick layover. Huh. And I got—I—I I, I can at least say I went on New Zealand soil. I don't think I left the airport. Um, but I, wow. yeah, I remember the the Australians were always kind of like, oh yeah, New Zealand, you know, they they treat it like um, little brother almost. I don't know how to describe, it. but it, <laughs> but the New Zealanders always beat them in like rugby, and they hated it. It was always a thing. Oh wow! But th- a bunch of hardcores on some islands, man. But thank yeah. you for that. That was that was crazy good. Do you, th- Excuse do, you, do you think that guy's going to be famous one day? And we'll be like, oh, that guy's saying about Probably us. Probably one day. That guy's saying- he might be famous in New Zealand already. That guy's saying about us. We just don't know. That guy's saying about us, yeah. yeah. And we're going <laughs> to get you riding that guy's coattails for a while. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, what was his name? His name is Execusig. Execusig. That's his name. Is there a hashtag in there? There's got to be a hashtag. No, there should be. There's got to be. There's 
But uh, because we're talking about riding on the coattails of 16-year-old rappers from New Zealand, it's uh, time to wrap up another episode of Crime and Music. If you'd like to leave your own feedback, just go to crimeandmusic.com. Uh, scroll down, leave us a speak pipe. Actually, you don't have to scroll. I changed the website. Watch the website, guys. There's a lot of cool changes going on right now. So you're going to have some videos over there. Uh, I'm going to show you some artwork that people have sent us. And um, I, I'll have all these songs, like Ecu Zig song, and we'll have... Uh, Canadian Mike, his stuff on there. Everybody's stuff will be on there. Check out the website. Um, leave us a message on any of the social medias. If you have some pictures or a drawing or a song or anything you want to send to us, send us to us at Crime and Music can, or feedback at crimeandmusic.com. Can you, can you format that rap, that little rap bit, that, um, that freestyle there for both Android and Apple users for a ringtone? Oh, we can put ringtones up, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good I idea. Know, let's do it. I like that's, it. I, 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 let's I, do I'm it. Not, let's I really do don't. It. I really don't care if anybody else gets it. I want to have it. I don't know how to do it. I want to <laughs> hit one button, get downloaded my phone, bam, ringtone. Nailed it. I don't think there's much more to say besides, uh, like the song says, never trust a big butt and a smile. Ringtone. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.